I'm Elaine Shannon. I'm Dana Lloyd. Welcome to Soul Sister Conversations, the podcast where we inspire and empower you to connect more soulfully to yourself. On this episode of Soul Sister Conversations, we speak with Natalie Godbu, co-partner of Godbu Fawcett, a boutique law firm, and our conversation led to the art of getting quiet and how a fork in the road changed everything. Good morning, Dana. Good morning, Elaine. It's a lovely sunny day here in Rossi, New Brunswick. Yes, finally. I know we don't see it very often. <laughs> Not lately. And it's a sunny day because of our guest we have here today as well. That's true. So we're in the studio, the studio in Rossi, with our uh, Natalie Godbu, who is a founder and co-owner of the law firm Godbu Fawcett. She's been practicing law for almost 25 years. And in uh, 2016, Natalie and her business partner, Kathy Fawcett, started their own law firm, a boutique focused on complex litigation, class action, and malpractice defense. That year, Natalie was the recipient of the YWCA Women of Distinction Award and was also appointed Queen's Counsel. Bravo! Uh, Natalie is also former chair of the local chamber, but she is perhaps best known locally for her writing and advocacy for women, including a letter she wrote in 2016 entitled To the Woman in Room 805, and I hope we're going to talk about that a little bit today. So the letter retold her harrowing account of being a bystander to an instance of intimate partner violence at a hotel in Moncton, New Brunswick. The letter was widely distributed on social media throughout North America and helped broaden the discussion on this important issue. More personally, Natalie's married to her husband, Jim, who I know from high school. <laughs> That's right. She's been married to him for 14, 14 years, and they have two lovely daughters, Madeline and Sophie, who form the center of their lives, and they are a lovely family. So, Natalie, welcome to welcome. Soul Sister Conversations, the I'm podcast. So excited to be here. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thanks for agreeing to do it. So Natalie, so Dana and I were at, um, and a lot of our discussions start this way, and we were at the uh, St. John Chamber event, and you were one of the speakers um, one evening, and so Dana and I were sitting in the same row, and as you were speaking, Dana and I were leaning forward and looking at each other and going, okay, we, we, like you had seven minutes to share your story, and we really were like, okay, there's, this conversation needs to go further. We need to talk more about the things that you brought up in that short seven minutes. Well, seven minutes was challenging. Lawyers are not famous for being uh, economical with words. So it was a, it was a daunting task to try to come up with a story that I could capture in seven minutes, but it, it felt good to finally tell it. And one of the stories that you started with, and I knew this about you before, but maybe it's a good um, launching point mm-hmm. because you've been married 14 years, but before that you had a I don't know if you'd say a different lifestyle or you had some ahas. Can you tell us that journey? I know you were at a workshop or a weekend retreat oh. and everything changed for you. <laughs> and that, that was one of the first times I heard you speak was when back at the Courage to Act. Oh, wow. um, the cafes, one of the cafes that yes. uh, that Marsh and Kathleen had. Okay. Well, Courage to Act was a was a was my introduction to a coaching culture, right? So it was a it was people that would create a space where you could go and and figure out something about your life that you hadn't figured out yet. So Courage to Act, its first incarnation, took you away for the weekend to a little uh, cottage in Little Chemigui, which is outside of Moncton, New Brunswick. Mm-hmm. So you're in the middle of the woods. There's no Wi-Fi. There's no signal. There's no TV. There's no nothing. And about 20 or so women uh, gathered there for the weekend with the, this leadership group. 
And that was probably the first time after having worked for a while and lived as a grown-up, so to speak, that I had taken time to just be alone with my thoughts. There were so many distractions that just didn't ever allow for that. So here I was in the middle of the woods with no distractions and coaches who were asking, you know, thoughtful questions about what you're thinking. And one of the, you're not supposed to say what happens on these weekends, but I'm going to tell you when. Um, so one of the exercises was called the silent mile. I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's, it's my version of torture. So what you do is they say, listen, you're going to go walk down this dirt road in the middle of nowhere until that funny shaped tree over there. And then you're going to come back. But the only rules are you have to walk by yourself and you can't talk to anybody for a mile. So I start walking and... I'm having no fun. I don't even know what I want to think about. So this is a literal mile, not this an imaginary, not oh, in yeah. a meditation. Yeah, no, you're out in the middle of nowhere and you're walking alone for a mile and you have a safe distance between you and the person walking in front of you. So you're all so walking you're... in the silence. Really? Mm. And it, I mean, look, in hindsight, it couldn't have been more beautiful. But at the time, I was very uncomfortable, so uncomfortable that at the end of the mile, I look at one of the coaches, Marsha Dorfman, and I said, well... What was that for? And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, I'm glad that's over. So then the next day, they make us do it again. Oh. And I was like, what horrific people. This is awful. <laughs> but no, walking and thinking. <laughs> yeah. oh. So the second time, now I'm really frustrated. And I can physically feel it in my body. Wow. You know, so I you're having a physiological response to being alone? I don't want to be alone with my thoughts. Because mm. what happens when you stop and look at your life, really? Like the guy you're with, the job you're doing, the place you're living, the way you're living, all kind of becomes a negotiable space. And and I, I have goosebumps just thinking about it. Like on the second day I came back from the walk and uh, I was angry. And and so I suspect Marsha did a little bit more work with me that day than I was otherwise scheduled to receive. But um, the third day when we went for the silent mile... Um, I just sort of let it be and it changed everything for me, you know, to stop and think about without anyone else coloring my thoughts, what do I think about this relationship I'm in or this life that I'm living? So at the end of the conference, they say to you, uh, listen, you know, you've processed a lot of stuff in the last few days. Uh, just, you know, sit with it. Don't do anything drastic for the next couple of weeks. And I got into my car and I mean, I was like a woman on crack. I was just like, okay, okay. So I've got to, I've got to get on the highway and I've got, wow, all the things I've figured out about my life is, it just seemed so invigorating. So I'm driving down the highway and, and as you can imagine, uh, you get to that fork in the road. The fork you, in the right? road. Literally, literally and metaphorically. <laughs> and if I go right, I'm heading to Fredericton where this boy that I was had been dating for three years was living. Or if I go left, I go to St. John home. And I go right. And I drive all the way to Fredericton. And I park in the parking lot. And I walk up to the third floor. And I knock on his apartment door. And he answers. And I break up with him. <laughs> That's that. And then I come home and I'm I'm transformed. I I I changed you know where I was living. I bought my own home. Um, I started running and lost forty pounds. Like I mean, I can't even begin to name off yes. all the things that kind of changed when I 
stopped and took a sober second look Mm -hmm. at this life that I thought I Mm -hmm. wanted. And it was all good. It was all terrifying and it was all good. And so that, for me, that exercise began the journey of stopping once in a while and going, is this... Is this going in the direction that I chose? Have has something taken me off my path? Am I happy? You know, it's okay. It feels a lot easier now to ask myself those questions than it yes. did when I was in my walking the, that in mile my, in my thirties. Yeah. And and Natalie, what led you to say yes to that course? I mean, your life is going along, and so you've got a job, and you're in a nice place to live, and you have a boyfriend. So, what got you to that? weekend retreat. I think that the difference between that retreat and the, and the other options in life that sort of show up was that when it showed up, it just, it showed up. It didn't, I didn't go looking for a, a program. I didn't go looking for anything. So you weren't I looking to change noticed, your life. I didn't even know that my life needed, uh, to, needed change? to change. Ah. <laughs> uh, and it's... so I think that that's important is that if, 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 uh, if you can just notice the things and the people that are showing up, and, and wonder why they're showing up. And then notice how you feel when you're around them. I always felt very uh, noticed and appreciated and embraced when I was in the presence of, you know, Marsha Dorfman yes. and Kathleen Howard. And and, and now, in the, you know, today, 20 years later, you know, everybody, anybody can call it's themselves a coach. It's been 20 years. <laughs> so I think it was, yeah, it was uh, almost 20 years ago. Really? And, wow. I, and that coaching culture has stayed in my life. So now I, I regularly... Um, try to find you know like self-reflection that, time those opportunities where people mm-hmm. will sit down. It's like it's like therapy, really. When you think about it, it's somebody sitting down and at, at a time when you are ready for it, and they're asking you the right questions. And that's important. You need to be open. And I, I so you were open when that whatever it was came across your email or your desk. Yeah. There was an openness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was just a space. But and I loved, I loved it when it showed up. It didn't seem like work. A hundred things yeah. show up in your email box every day yeah. that's that's look and sound like work, and uh, it wasn't work to be in the, in that space with them. It was, was there, very safe. Was there something that was a certain question that triggered you, or just yeah. was all of it that just holding space for you to have time out? There, there was. It was just the space. I don't know how they did it. If I knew, I'd write it down and try to do, you know, it's, it's what I try yes. to do with my clients sometimes right. is create a space where they can just sort of let themselves be and share whatever it is that's challenging for them and talk out loud. It's kind of like talk therapy for most people, I yeah. suspect, you know, I, I mean, and what I loved about it was that it was just, it was a mission of my own taking. They didn't ever try to tell me as some people do Oh, you should work on this, or oh, you should work. There on was no that. shoulding happening. No, yeah, work, no. ne- that word never no. got spoken. It was some of the best time I ever, I ever spent. In hindsight, yeah. Mm. So what I'm interpreting from this is they gave you presence. They gave you space to be present with yourself. Oh, and, and to and to love that self. The, we're in a world that judges us so harshly and we're, we're our own mm. self-critics. But, but Marsha and Kathleen had a way of um, allowing me to feel smart and beautiful and ambitious and be comfortable with every little bit of myself. And that stayed. I think that that even changed the way I practiced law or was a woman in a, in a yeah. law firm or, or even was married. You know, to be in a re- that kind of relationship. Yeah. 
Well, that was interesting because one of the things yes. that um, I don't look at it and go, I know, "Oh she's my gosh!" Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it became uh, evident to me, and or I thought so, that when you were talking to us that day, that I I felt that you loved yourself. And it wasn't oh. in an arrogant way. Yeah. It was this woman loves herself, likes who she is. So it's interesting that you said that, that you, that you said it stayed with me. So what was your relationship with yourself prior to taking that retreat? I, I think that I, before that retreat, I was trying very hard to um, fit into the space of, of being law, of, law yeah. of being a woman in law, of, uh, of, you know, trying to be my, my own authentic self while, while, and resisting the sort of places, the boxes they try to put mm-hmm. you in in that profession. It's not a female profession, I, or it hasn't been designed hasn't been. Uh, to be a female profession. So there are so many obstacles. And, you know, when you're a woman in law, you're trying to figure out how to be present without offending anybody, um, but still be assertive for your clients and uh, be a thought leader. And you have to speak differently, you have to dress differently. I never wore, I didn't wear nail polish for years because you know, I just didn't wanna rub anybody the right. wrong way. With nail polish. With nail polish or, or my lipstick being too bright. Yes. You know, like tiny little things that, that Those women, subtle that things, women have right. to think about in, in that profession that, um, that men just don't. Right. Do I wear a skirt? Do I wear pants? Do I wear pantyhose? Do I not wear pantyhose? Do I... So you so, can see how a lot of lack of love, self love because oh you can't God. even be yourself. I couldn't be myself. I, right. I would I I would challenge anyone to say that a woman can could or can be herself in this right. profession. Yeah. But that being said, it wasn't designed by women. Right. And so now history. we have to redesign it. Mm. And here we are redesigning it in two thousand and nineteen. Yeah. 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 So, so what you said, so you said when you had that retreat experience that you felt like they allowed you to love yourself, you said that stayed with me. That feels like a very quick transformation. So what was said or what, what did you take away that you go, did you just have a new perspective on yourself that you could appreciate yourself that you'd never seen before? If I have one skill that I took away from that whole thing was the, it was the ability to be quiet with myself. <laughs> so I didn't, I wasn't afraid of silence anymore. And I'm not afraid of it in conversations anymore. Like I'm, I'm okay with silence and with myself, with people that I'm sitting with, with clients in our workspace. I love getting in the tub and just thinking about my day. Mm. Um, I think that I was able to retain it because I could just allow myself to get quiet and go back there and remember how authentic I felt that weekend. Mm. Yeah. You could actually feel the real you. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's interesting. That could happen so quickly because you you see all these quotes on Facebook and love yourself and oh. and you think wow, like yeah. just those wor- words of encouragement aren't going nice. to do it. No, no. Yeah. You need to create the space for yeah. presence. And I think in our in our world that is too busy, too noisy, too bright. I have a friend working on a sensory app, and and so it is. Our world is too busy, too noisy, too bright. We have so many things coming at us that you really need to own and put mm. boundaries around your time so that you can have presence yeah. yeah well and and i can pick up a phone the minute i have a quiet moment and i catch myself doing this to this day the minute i have a quiet moment i'm like oh what's going on on twitter and i hop right. on like so i scroll and so i don't have that quiet moment right and that's a problem and i can tell i can tell physically and emotionally in my life when i've not been getting those quiet moments and then i guess the second piece is if you is and my achilles heel always was when i was younger what are what do people think of me, mm. or what are they saying about me? Because I was in this sort of novel space as a woman in law, and and uh, 
So I was always worried about that. And so I think, I feel like social media kind of feeds that monster sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, so you have to be totally, able to stop Totally, because you're looking caring. at everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Stop caring what yes. everybody thinks, what, what, what life they're living. Just stop caring and just go back to yourself and hang out with yourself in that space because yeah. you're really, Hang really out with cool. yourself. Yeah. I and didn't I, get married till I was 35 because I was probably enjoying my own company so much <laughs> by the end of it. I was like, I'm awesome. <laughs> I'm just going to... I don't know. I can't. You're date gonna explore else. who you are, and Dana and I talk a lot about yeah. that because as you as you tap into your higher self more, yeah. right? You were you're getting to know you on a completely different level, and it's like, yeah. wow, look at what I have the capacity yeah. to and do so and to many love. Women don't, don't feel that way, yeah. and it makes me, you know, different levels of crazy in the different ways that it shows <laughs> up. Like at these chamber movements, you can tell, you can tell these people that are walking up to you and going, oh. Thanks for that story or thanks for that validation or thanks for being, you know, yourself. And and you're like, can I just take you home and sit you down with me? Comfort? I just want to give this to you yes. if you can possibly hold on to it. Yes. And then the domestic violence piece, there it showed up in another way there. Right. There was an extreme version of someone never being validated for the beautiful person that they are. Yes. So when that situation showed up in your life... Yeah. Um... What was going on? Because, you know, we things happen around us all the time and we don't pay attention to most things. But for that particular day, in that moment, you were wide awake to hear what was going on. Like wide awake, spiritually, mentally, physically, yeah. whatever. How do we tell the uh, listeners what it... Do you want to tell yes. what happened to you in a nutshell? So it was on New Year's Day and my husband and I had taken our two young daughters to a hotel in, in Moncton, New Brunswick and had uh, just checked in for a night for New Year's Eve and we spent the night together. And then as we were checking out, we heard um, a, a domestic violence situation unfolding across the hall in room 805 is why that number sticks yes. out for me. So, um, you know, we, it's, it's a, it's a complicated story, but, um, I was left at the end of the day feeling like I hadn't done enough for that woman. But I think the reason that she stuck with me so much was that I heard her at a time that, um, my life was so full, mm-hmm. like, so, you know, there's this theory about your brain, right? I do, I do legal work and I do very dramatic work and clients are always coming to me in extreme distress and I have a way of processing it and it doesn't bother me. And I'm in my work mode, I guess. Well, I wasn't in my work mode when that happened. I was in my happiest place. I was with with my husband, my children. We had just made a, a dream list for the year ahead. We were open and vulnerable and, uh, and then we heard her. Well, uh, ironically, we didn't hear her. What was interesting about that whole experience was she was completely silent, you know, while he was ranting on about how underappreciated he was. And uh, uh, so listening to, to having a first sort of hand experience of that kind of behavior was was very eye-opening for me. It, it and the exact me, opposite of your own life experience. It was the polar opposite of what I was experiencing across the hall from her. Yeah. So it bothered me and it bothered me. And then I wrote, I wrote the piece and, um, so you wrote a Facebook post, did you not? Yeah. And it went sort of, <laughs> yeah. I, wrote I don't a, know if viral is the word, but it got quite a, well, quite a great reach, like a quarter of a million oh, reads. Oh, that was, so it was shared, you know, like um, a couple thousand times on Facebook, which was one thing. And then it got picked up by, um, I guess there's these aggregate 
sort of pages, news pages in the U.S. and all around oh, the really? world. Wow. Oh, I was hearing from women in the U.S., in uh, um, in South America, in Australia. In I was getting these. Were they reaching out to you for help or uh, just telling their story? Some, or? some were 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 saying, "I'm in that situation now," or uh, "I'm I've right. been in that situation at one time," and you really, you know, captured it. Um, they all reached out for different reasons. They they mostly to share their story and be heard. Because and I was thinking about that this morning. You know, we all sit around this microphone and we, we can have these conversations with each other and it's very therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't have a microphone they can sit around. They're no. constantly being vigilant. They're constantly being watched. Right. They're being subjected they to They don't have a voice blackmail. and they don't have a forum to to speak. Yeah. So think all. about these, yeah. these moments in your life where you're like, oh, I have something to share or, oh, I wish I could ask for help. Right. And they just never get that chance. And how, that would feel like very overwhelming if that happened to me. It like was. I'm thinking, I'd feel helpless. Like how did that impact you? Oh, it it, uh, it, it impacted me for sure. I, I I'm mindful about my own mental health mm-hmm. and uh, have lots of support systems in place for that. But uh, that changed my naive lens on the world a fair bit, and it made me acutely aware of how fortunate I am mm-hmm. and I'm not I, my, my husband says you're not done with that you know <laughs> and I don't feel you are I don't feel I am it's either it's part of your bio yeah <laughs> yes yes, yes I'm exactly not I'm not done with it and where, where do you think that'll go do you, I, I don't know do you I you know we we, we kept visioning what, what else we could do with that piece and um because it did get a, a lot of traction in a way that is was unusual mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, what, what kept you reading? It was almost 3,000 words. Like, you know, like I, I couldn't believe the number of people that, that had read it from start to finish. And there's probably two, there's two different types of women reading it. There's women mm. like you who mm. can't imagine that ever happening, right? right? Mm. And, and then there's the women that are living in it, yeah. right? So, so we're fascinated by, mm. from two different angles. Or there's, there's children that grew up in homes like that that right. are reading it. They reached out a lot too. Oh, really? And then, there, and then there were people like me who... Uh, were bystanders to it and didn't know what to do with that information. So the yeah. so okay, yeah. many many different many. readers, <laughs> yeah. many many. You could just tell it's a whole piece that you know we pay lip service to it. I yeah. I don't feel that you know that the uh, shelters for abused women are nearly funded well enough, or yeah. you know they you capture these women into a home and tell them they got thirty days to reinvent themselves. And yeah, know, it's it's notionally absurd. Uh, the way we pay lip service to, to this problem. And so I, I do feel like at some point in my life, I'll figure out Circle the back right around thing to, to do. It, yeah. yeah. To room. Yeah, well, probably that quiet time. I need we'll some quiet sit time. In <laughs> and help you figure that out. And we'll, but, we'll put the link to the, uh, to the yeah, we'll story the, yeah, in, the, in yeah, our, on our Facebook we'll page. That. Yes. Yeah. That'll, Cause that's a worthy People read. can read it for sure. Mm. Uh, you said that you were naive. It lifted the, your naive filter. What, what did you believe before you didn't realize it was as prevalent or I'm, I am married to a man, um, who doesn't have the ability, uh, to be that cruel. Mm. Um, who there's something very neat about my husband you know I mean he's he is so kind and so absurdly <laughs> loving um, I just I had never in all of my my experiences of, of life and university and dating people that you do like I just had never encountered anything like what I'd heard across the hall and um, yeah I think that 
there but for the grace of God go any one of us though mm. you know that someone I, I say at one point in the piece um, I bet it's nothing like you were promised when you when your love was young and new like I, I felt mm. like that woman found herself in a place that she had never imagined she didn't mm. fall in love with a guy that was that she knew was going to treat her like that mm-hmm. so yeah I it it made me aware of the vulnerability yeah. around good decisions, bad decisions, and just being really alert and alive to the people that are in your life. And it can happen to anybody. Anybody. I've had, I had an instance with a high school boyfriend. Right. And then I had a really crappy boss who, who right. spoke to me in a way that he made me cry more than once. Ugh. And then I thought, I have to break up with this boss because you are, you're not good for my soul mm. at all. Right. And I walked away from, I've walked away from work more than once. See? But I thought, and so is there a, a certain type of person, right, mm-hmm. that we gravitate? So I, I think about my own situations. Did I gravitate to stronger men for a reason, mm-hmm. right? Because in my life at that point, I wasn't, I didn't love myself like I do now or respect myself like I do now. So I have those experiences behind me. And mm-hmm. I, you know, and I look at my daughter and I think, wow, like, I hope we gave you the tools. To just be in love with yourself and stay in love with yourself enough yeah. to know that you deserve for this relationship to feel absurdly good. You know, I met mm. when I met Jim, when I met my husband, uh, we got engaged in 33 days. Like, I think you have to really know. Yeah. And there, it didn't, none of it felt impulsive. All of it felt completely authentic. And how long after the retreat and you broke up, took the took the right side of the road and headed to Frederick? How long was that oh, process? Oh, do share, share the vision board story, please. <laughs> <laughs> so because that Jim really, on your vision board? After, uh, he is. He is. <laughs> this is the irony. So after the Courage Act, um, you know, and, and a bunch of transformations that happened in my life, one of the things that I did was participate in a group exercise of constructing a vision board. And the vision board process, everybody does it differently, but I love it, right? You just, you lie around and you've got all these great magazines, you flip through them, you pick out every attractive, everything that attracts your eye, you just sort of cut it out. And then you, you build this vision board. So I built it. It was beautiful. I had no idea where most of the pictures came from. I mean, there was a house. There was a woman in front of a fireplace. There was, there was, uh, and then off in the corner was this strange thing that I cut out of a magazine and it was a breakfast sausage ad. Um, and it was like a, a Jimmy Dean's, <laughs> Jimmy Dean's, Jimmy Dean's breakfast sausage. And it said, um, you know, start your day right. Uh, have breakfast with Jimmy. Oh my God. And the picture is a redheaded man chasing two children around a beautifully appointed living room space and I don't know how this thing ended up on my vision board to this day but probably about a year later I met Jimmy everybody called him Jimmy I can't he's not Jimmy I just can't he's Jimmy Uh, it just reminds me of something else and so I I uh and and you know we have two and he's a redhead and we have two children that is so amazing so vision boards work for those people that have them where's my guy you gotta be really careful with these things because they are they're like Ouija boards self-fulfilling prophecies like it it really is intense it's the power of our subconscious mind the law of attraction and energy intention 
Right? Well, it's so <laughs> interesting to me though that all of this happened. Out. It's kind of like yes. it's kind of like BC before before before, no, before, before Courage Act and after Courage Act. <laughs> oh, I love it. You, you don't you don't attract what you want. You attract who you are, and you right. became a different person. It right. almost seems like all this stuff that you all of a sudden unleashed once you had quiet time with yourself yeah. allow came yourself, to you. Allow yourself to want what you want. Right. Just want what you want, not what society tells you you should yeah. want. When I when I left a perfectly good law firm and started our own law firm, I just wanted what I wanted. Mm. It didn't have any. And if I and if I had let the world tell me what to do in that instance, I would have been like, well, those are really nice people, and I can't leave them. And they've been so good to me the last ten years. It's almost like a betrayal. Yeah. You know, I, I could have found a, a hundred narratives for not leaving. Mm. But I wanted my own firm. I right. wanted to to just reinvent this thing and. So that's what we did. You gotta yeah. just, you know, just allow yourself it. to want what you want. And as it turns out, I wanted a redhead who liked breakfast <laughs> and to run around the living room with his <laughs> two children in around. your lovely appointed living and, room. And that's what he does. That's what he does. Yes. You know, he's home with our kids. Like yeah. he's, you know, he actually left his job ultimately and retired and and is is home with them. Like we've got this incredible life. Yeah, you truly are a pioneer for not only how to be a woman in law, <laughs> how to live. Um, and I hate to say like a non traditional life. It's just yeah. a new life. It's but it's yeah. not what people normally expect. Your husband stays at home, and yeah. you're building the law office, and you're forging a new way yeah. to move in this life. One of the senior male partners in a in a one of our, at a firm in our city said to me once, you know, Natalie, I uh, when I talk to the women in our firm about, you know, how they can construct their life in law. I give all kinds of great ideas. And then I say, and then there's Natalie. <laughs> and I describe your path. And, uh, and I'm like, well, it's, it's not nearly as unusual now as, as it was 12 years ago. But yeah, we did. We, we designed it yeah. our way. It's a life yeah. by design. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. think when people see other people right and hear of stories that you know things aren't always great and then you go and you make some decisions about how i want to live my mm -hmm. life then the universe conspires for your success right right and when you say those things yeah. that i you know i really want this yeah. then the things will show up but you have to be open and we've talked about mm -hmm. this in mm -hmm. another episode right coincidences and signs of grace mm -hmm. you need to be open to the messages so when the email came across your desk for courage to act you went oh i think i'll do this That's this is me. not work mm -hmm. right so it's being open to these things that are appearing in front of you and mm -hmm. not being so rushed and not present mm -hmm. because when we lack that presence we are not open to see those messages that will help us get to that life by design. Mm -hmm. When Kat, when my business partner, Kathy Fawcett and I uh, got back together, I'll call it. So we'd worked in firms together before and had been apart for quite a while. And there were all kinds of reasons for, for it to be awkward when I ran into her again. And, um, so I was the speaker at a conference and, and, uh, I was setting up, I was the first speaker of the day and in she walked one of the first people to arrive. Imagine all the things that had to conspire to create that moment. Right. And then to be able to, like the email, just go, yeah, this this is nudge. this is important. And she and I were able to sit down and compare pictures of our kids and just sort of continue a conversation that had ended five years prior. And we before you knew it, you know, we were secretly meeting and <laughs> conspiring and, you know, plotting the next chapter of our business life together and yeah. it's we haven't neither one of us i think has, has looked back she'll have her own version of that story but for me it was transformative again it was like oh look i love this person she's so perfect for me and 
now maybe we're going to get to do this this thing. So you get to elevate each other. So by bringing oh, your yeah. individual strengths, yeah. right, you elevate the entire <laughs> opportunities, right, yeah. or what you could create alone. It's like Dana and I doing this podcast, right? Mm. Dana, you could have done this on your own. You have all the technology. You get it. Mm. But, but here we are. Come to, it feels right. better together. And here we are. Oh. Better go together. further together. You yeah. go further together, and it's finding the right people to do that yeah. with, right? Mm. The right people that that you elevate each other, right? And women understand this. We're not we're not competitive like men are. We, it's just not driven by the same hormones, right? So so women understand um, the the absurd notion of scarcity. We know that there is enough of this joy, of this momentum for all of us. Men don't see each other that way. It's a pie. I, I've got to beat you. There's only so much work. There's right. only so many clients. There's only so many opportunities. And if you get one, then that, that's, then that's one, one I'm not getting. Mm-hmm. So this is why I think men and women just do business differently for right. the most part. We, we, we have this, you know, we talk about like-minded men in our firm because people say, what, only, only women can work there? Because <laughs> we're all women right now. We're six now. Uh, but uh, I'm like, no, like-minded men are, 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 are welcome. welcome. But, but yeah. you got to get this. You've got to yeah. get this this piece that we're here the to... The pie, when we come together, we are not slicing a small pie. Yeah. We are making a giant pie. We and the pie just abundance. keeps getting bigger yeah. and bigger and bigger. Well, yeah. I dare say you are creating a shift or a wave in that industry. I hope so. Oh, I, I think so. I think you're a pioneer and you're going to I'm be I'm a little bit obnoxious away. about it, but yeah. <laughs> no, you're not. Oh, there it goes. You the love yourself. I do. <laughs> no, because that's the one thing that I say that came across to me that day is that you it was not arrogance it was like right. I was thinking this lady loves herself yeah. and people need to hear so I would like what would be some advice you would give people to love themselves you got it in that moment in that retreat you said it stayed with you what would be those takeaways that women could think like how do I love myself and shift this for good hmm I'm raising daughters right now mm-hmm. right so I'm constantly thinking about this. Yeah. Um, when when my when my 12 year old says, you know, Mama, I'm thinking of doing this. I'll be like, whose idea was that? You know, that top that doesn't cover your belly button. Whose idea was that? Um, you know, like, like who? Yeah. Who was that? Pinterest? Pinterest? Who planted that? Like, yeah. Did Instagram. You, did you want to? You know, walk out this morning and catch a draft? Like, I don't get it. I, I, I can't believe the number of people that are out there trying to tell women how to be. 100%. Uh, so In every aspect of who they are. Yeah. And I'm constantly, like, yeah. I could have built a career on having uh, uh, off-the-grid conversations with young women who are yeah. coming into the profession, and they, they you can tell it's taken them days or weeks to get up the courage to email you. I forget, right? I'm kind of considered senior now in my little, in my little corner of the world. And they're like, you know, would you mind, could, you know, could we talk? And then you go and you meet at a coffee shop where none of the that person's employers are going to spot her right. talking to me. And, and we talk about like, how to be authentic. Are you miserable? Okay, let's yeah. figure this out. Um, love yourself. You know, just love I Love yourself with impunity. Mm-hmm. Like to the point where it just drives people crazy. Like just be <laughs> so obnoxious about it that like this, every part of you that is authentic, that is you, is fabulous. The the parts where you're trying to emulate somebody else's brand or way of being in the world, that's that's and people that's spot contrived. that. It's contrived. You're 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 gonna exhaust yourself trying Isn't to, that tr- the truth. to be exhausted. Yes. So exhausted. And it'll feel more and more cumbersome. So when you feel that weight, 
showing up in your life. Just stop. Just stop and go, whose life am I living really? Mm. I don't to me the exercise of loving yourself. And I have days, I have days when I wake up and I'm like, oh, you know. <laughs> this is not good. We talk about that. It's quilting I, days. You pull the quilt yeah. up and you go, you know what? I'm just gonna lay here for a bit yeah. and, and marinate. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm gonna move on. Yeah. There there are all kinds of little self care things that you think you can do yeah. for yourself that are gonna make it better. You know, run the right amount of miles or eat the right type <laughs> no. of fruit and, and It'll make me love myself some more. Sort of grapefruit <laughs> scrub for your face or whatever. I mean, none of it's none of it's the ch- none of it's the the solution. The solution no. is getting quiet. Everything's get an inside really go, It all right? goes back like to that. And I'm telling you, it took it three solid quiet. days. Three solid yes. days in the woods with all and the how right many therapists miles? around me. <laughs> how, how many miles did a you? A mile walk? there and back, so that's six. <laughs> so tired. I, Every day yeah. they're trying to exhaust you, yeah. and uh, and it's terrifying. It's terrifying. Yeah. It's terrifying to be that interesting. Well, listen, because I'm also very reflective now, but it is terrifying to be with your thoughts if you haven't done it before. Yeah. Right, and you're like, is and and then I I say you have to separate those godly messages. Just you know, from your egoic ones. So, which ones are the good ones that serve me, right? What well, is that? What like you're saying? Is that what I believe, or is that what the outer world told me? Right. Is that what my parents told me, or is that what a teacher told me? Mm. What do I truly believe? And, and let me just reassure you <laughs> that some odd manifestation of eat, pray, love is not what's going to happen when you get quiet. Okay? Oh, you're not going to like. You're not going to. You're not going to like. You know, break up with your husband so and true. go on a on a commune and and. Um, Whatever. None of that's going to happen. It's not going to happen. Two or whatever his name is. It doesn't, it's not nearly that dramatic. Now, granted, or I sexy. drove to Fredericton yeah. and broke no. up with my boyfriend, but but that had to happen. That was going to happen anyway. Yeah. You know, the, the art of getting quiet is allowing the things to happen that need to happen. So you can either postpone it into eternity, and then when the estrogen lifts at age so that, 15. Right, so that's, <laughs> that, and so we mentioned the estrogen fog after um, we heard you speak in, uh, mm. in St. John, and we had so much engagement around that on really? our Facebook page. It, yes, oh. women are like, wait, that's happened to me, or I can't wait oh. for it to happen. Oh, Let's let's talk a little bit about this estrogen fog because for me it it is clearly lifted and people look at me now and go wow you got some clear boundaries happening there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, You're I, a badass yes now, I yes I do yeah. I'm a I'm a badass yeah. because the fog really has lifted but I'm thinking what if what if there's a stage before estrogen fog that women could get it or yeah. do we have to wait till the estrogen fog lifts. It's an, it's an awareness that it's going to happen anyway. So you can either start seeing the world the way it is and living an authentic life now, mm. or someone's going to come screaming at you with it at age 50 ballpark. Right. So so I, I remember buying this book about menopause, and I don't know even know why it showed up in my life, but it did, yes. as, as one does. Yeah. And uh, Christiane Northrup, who is like the physician guru of all things menopause, mm. and she wrote a book. And... It's really thick, and so you don't it's, want to read it. Is that it. The, the, the Wisdom of Menopause? It is a good book. She has a prologue in the book, and she says, if you read nothing else, read this and read it with your partner. So I'm like, Jim, you know, I'm lying <laughs> bed. I'm gonna, Here Jim, we go. I'm going to read this aloud to you. You should know what's about to happen. And so It's happening whether it. you like it or not. Uh, she's describing this situation where, you know, for years, and the construct of her marriage, she would get home at the end of the day and make supper. She has a husband and two young boys, and so they all grow up with this dynamic. And then one day, she gets home, and it's 5 o'clock. They're all sitting in the living room reading their magazines, and there's there's no pots boiling. There's nothing happening in the kitchen, and she just loses it. 
She's like, what the hell is wrong with you people? And, and she loses it. And they're looking at her with complete utter shock and awe. And they're like, but mom, you've always done it. Yeah. So she didn't ever want to be the one that made supper, but the the estrogen allowed her found helped her find the energy and the it does it makes you want to cater to everybody around you. And then when the estrogen's gone, which is essentially menopause, it's like depleted. um, Now you're looking at the situation going. You just feel so taken advantage of and so you know offended, and everyone around you, their life hasn't changed one bit. Right. So, They're looking at this person going, yeah. I don't know you. Right. And wouldn't it have been okay? Because deep down she knew, probably since age 30, that she didn't want to be the person walking into the house making supper and that that wasn't the design of her life. And, it, and imagine just going, you know, what if I just said at age 30? So when you see these things being assigned to you and you don't want them, not because you're lazy or selfish, but just because you don't want to yeah. do those, that's not what I want to be doing. Um, and everybody's going to have lots of thoughts about that. But if you are truly designing your life, then it's either someone else is making supper or you're hiring someone to make supper or you do it together or you make it fun or whatever. That, that, that desire to ask for what you want and to live an authentic life. And because at the end of that prologue, she says, don't underestimate the impact of this. Because I am the subject matter expert of menopause, right. and my marriage didn't survive it. That's right. And I remember when I read that, <laughs> it was like someone stuck a knife in my heart. Yeah. I'm lying next to this man that I love, and I'm like, okay, we can't do, do that. that. We can't. Please, God, no. You know, let's not do that. So we spend a lot of time making sure that Mama's happy, that <laughs> she's <laughs> she's living her authentic life, and when I'm not. Then the village has to has to rally and and do something. Let different. me be quiet. And that's you having those honest conversations with your partner, mm. with your husband. Yeah, but our mothers did not raise us to have these conversations. No, I'm sorry. Oh wait, no, sorry. Oh, my yeah, mother yeah, did. Yeah. I. Oh really? So you, no. Yeah. So we'll meet Sandra sometime on Soul Sister Conversations because my mother was a career banker. Who moved, my grandparents moved in because they saw that my mother needed to have a career, yeah. and so what my mother wanted, she got. Wow! Oh yes, I like her. <laughs> so she yes, and to this day, like, and so we've just moved them into our house. So we've split our house in half because I decided I didn't want to clean twenty five hundred square feet with fifteen hundred square feet of it nobody using. So I thought yeah. somebody else is going to move in and they can clean it. It might as well be mom and dad. But I grew up with, and I've had my mother look at me and say, I did not raise you to be a doormat. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that's awesome. Right. Yeah. But so, but how did that happen in my life? So was it the people I was hanging around with, the messages that I was listening to or reading, mm. right? And it sneaks in. It sneaks in. It all in. sneaks in. And, and you got to give yourself permission to change your mind, too. Don't forget. Like, I mean, I remember when we were going to have Maddie, I said to Jim, you know, look, I'm going to go back to work. But I reserve the right to completely change my mind, to decide, no, no, I want to mm-hmm. be with this little monkey all the time. And and so I think I think sometimes that women sort of commit to a path, and then they at some point they realize, eh, you know, no, this isn't what I wanted. But now you're like, ah, oh, but everybody, everybody's, you know, yeah. and, and, and I told people I was going to do it and, um, and it's going to be inconvenient to people if I change my mind and you know, estrogen, I'm telling you, it's a great drug, but it's also, it, it had, it comes at a cost 
being this nurturing and energetic for everybody around mm. you. you. It, dr- it drains you. Something's getting traded off there. Yes, your cup is emptying all the time, so unless you're, you're filling home, it up. You know, if you're driving home and and you're not looking forward to what you're coming home to, or you're driving into work and you're not looking forward to, to what you're coming into, you know, get quiet. You got some hard. You got some questions to you ask got, yourself. You got some introspection on your one you. mile walk. Yeah. <laughs> Go for a really long, painful, alone walk, and uh, and don't be afraid of the demons that show up because it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world to reinvent yourself. And yeah, it's not the end of the world to tell somebody um, that you've changed your mind. So there was yeah. a. I was working on a film project with somebody who I admire greatly, and she's a mentor of mine. And we were like, yeah, let's do this. And we got about three months in and I was sitting at home and I went, oh, oh, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm. And I thought, how do I tell her? What am I going to do? She's going to be disappointed in me. Wow. And yeah. and I really had a hard time. And I went, no, Elaine, you, like maybe the lesson was in the starting and not in the finishing. Maybe right. everything that I needed to learn is done. Right. So I called her up and I said, okay, so I have something to tell you. And I was waiting for her to, you know, say wow that's terrible (laughs) and what she said was i respect you greatly for being honest there you go Mm -hmm. and so how many times in our lives are we not honest and we stay beyond in anything like you said and how many times in our lives are we not being heard Mm. in that honesty Mm -hmm. there's so much pushback that i feel like we're not equipped you were it was going to be a challenging conversation no matter yes. what, right? But imagine, so that's a conversation with somebody who allows you to be you in your mm-hmm. space. And, but I think a lot of the conversations we're having are different than that. Mm-hmm. And people are always trying to talk us out of the thing that yes. we want to do that's going to be a little bit harder right. on them. And so. I think that's why we don't say with honesty or be authentic because we're going to feel, we're already anticipating the pushback mm-hmm. if that's been the, if that's been the way. So you don't want to disappoint. You don't want to have the difficult conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and that's exactly right. Like it, I hate to say it's few and far between, but there's not a lot of people that you, you say no to that they don't have a comeback and they yep. don't, and they don't say, Oh, I really appreciate your honesty and your authenticity. <laughs> I've never heard that. It's usually like, why not? Yeah. <laughs> and oh, so, so that you know yourself when you're anticipating it, then you're like, Oh, I have to maneuver this in my way. And I always say, I think I learned this from Eckhart Tolle. There's, um, he, the author of the new earth. And he said, there's a high quality no and a low quality no. Mm. And the low quality no is when I have to say no to you. I'm like, well, my parents might be coming into town and I could be really busy and you're making all these excuses. excuses and the high quality no is just no no no, no thank you I, I've, I, 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 I have changed my mind <laughs> yeah. I have thought differently this is not the experience I thought yeah. and that you really have to own and love yourself yeah. to be in that space and confidently own it yeah. and maybe that's what it was the day you spoke you loved yourself I feel like you were owning you in taking all, responsibility of, of your it, yeah. life, with all of your life. Yeah. So taking responsibility of your life yeah. and owning all, every piece of yourself. Yeah. And I think that's the, uh, I think that's a big piece of loving yourself is that, yeah, we have all these other, there's the great pieces of us. And then we had the stuff where maybe we've been off or we haven't done something oh, right. Yeah, yeah. But I see that as all part of the journey, right? Mm-hmm. When you know better, you do better. You're like, oh, that that one didn't go down well. I would do it this way this time. It's all part of your learning. So in, embracing all of that journey. And embrace, right. yeah, start, starting it and, and then finishing it. <laughs> yeah. I find a lot of the times I've met young women who have who know what they want, but then they don't know how to execute, execute. on it, right? Because they don't want to hurt people's feelings. They don't want to disappoint. And sometimes the trick is just giving them the language. You know, mm. when you when you speak to that person and it's like why and why, you know, 
I have decided. Yes. Like write it on a sticky Own note it. right by your phone and, and I have decided. And and, and bring it back to yourself. It. It's you're not pointing fingers. Say it a hundred times. Here's what I've decided. I've decided that's best for me. I don't want that assignment. I've decided I don't want that job. I've decided I don't want this relationship. I've decided I don't want to do the thing you're asking me to do. I have decided. There's tremendous power in it. Mm. I like that. Mm. Well, this has been a great conversation. Thank you for this having is, me. Oh, wow. We and had I, a lot of great nuggets there. And I, and I think you said it. You said The Art of Getting Quiet. That sounds like a book. You should write it. I should write a book. There you go. <laughs> the Art of Getting Quiet with Natalie Godby. <laughs> so uh, d- just before we wrap up, um, Gabu Fawcett yes. is a what kind of uh, law firm? We're, a, we're very niche. It's a very boutique law firm. We defend professionals who are being sued or complained about or having... Uh, difficulty in their careers. I describe myself rather immodestly as the Olivia Pope of New Brunswick. So, <laughs> so we just we help people that are in that are in a professional crisis in their lives. Okay. It's very very discreet book of work that mm. we enjoy very much. And how would people find you online? Yeah, we're online. We're on Hazen Street uptown. Yes. Uh, a beautiful lovely, little spot. I love that old building. We bought like a hundred and fifty year old building a few years ago, and it's a sacred space. It's really yeah. great. It has great energy. It does. Yeah. We have lovely wind down Fridays there. You we do. Your wind down wine Fridays collection. are fabulous. <laughs> yes. And That's and awesome. it's a it's a safe space for people to come, mm. you know, whatever it is they're feeling. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank Doors you for open. holding sacred space here today. Thank you so much and for thank having you. me. Thank you, Natalie. Thanks. I'm Dana Lloyd. And I'm Elaine Shannon. You've been listening to Soul Sister Conversations, the podcast. You can connect with Dana at DanaLloydLeadership.com and you can connect with Elaine at ElaineShannon.com. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and join us for more Soul Sister Conversations. Thanks for listening.